revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Welcome to Medicine on Call, where it's all about living the solutions. Today I have a, a special guest on, one who I haven't had on for quite a while, and with the healthcare system and the clamoring for Medicare for all, I thought it was time to have him back on. We're going to talk today with Mr. Woodrow Wilcox, and he is, you know, he's, I don't know how to describe you exactly, Mr. Wilcox. It's, you are a forward-thinking... <laughs> Go ahead, I'll let Thank you describe you. yourself. Uh, basically, I work at a major insurance agency in the Midwest. And uh, my function is to review medical bills that our clients think are suspect in order to fight mistakes and fraud in the Medicare system. And I've saved our clients over $2 million by doing that. I also have written over 700 art- articles about problems with the Medicare system. And I've also written a book, Solving Medicare Problems, in order to try to make it so that uh, attorneys, accountants, uh, uh, senior pastors or worship leaders can learn how to help what I do to help senior citizens fight mistakes and fraud in the Medicare system in a hope that uh, people will start buying the book and learning it and study it so that they can help the senior citizens in their communities and their churches and worship centers and so forth like that because I'm 65 now and I'm not going to be around forever I can't possibly help everybody in the country that needs help I was forward thinking about that and wrote the book eight years ago, or published the book eight years ago, started writing the book ten years ago, so that other people would learn what the problems with Medicare are that are rather easily solvable. And in the book, I put in uh, about 70% of what I know, because the other stuff is so technical, I don't want people trying to do it unless they're attorneys. Well, with your, you know, you you wrote the book around the time that Affordable Care Act started, uh, we were talking about it, and it got passed. Now that you have, you don't need the crystal ball, and you've seen it in action for the past almost decade now, what's your feeling of it? Did, did it bear out what you thought it was? Was it helpful to seniors? Did it hurt them overall? What's the big picture? Well, during that whole time of the debate, I was writing articles in newspapers and so forth like that and saying, look, we don't want to impose a Medicare-like system on everybody because the Medicare system itself is pretty bad. And if you impose a Medicare-like system, which Obamacare is in many respects, on people throughout the United States, you're going to have the same problems and even more problems. And I was absolutely right on that. It wasn't just the Obamacare law. Mr. Obama basically started a war uh, against senior citizens. His uh, Attorney General, Eric Holder, rewrote the definition of when a senior citizen is to be considered an inpatient and when a senior citizen is to be considered an outpatient. And that's very critical because as an inpatient under Medicare Part A, medicines will be paid for or uh, at least uh, helpful paid for by Medicare. As somebody who is not considered inpatient, but rather outpatient, they fall under Medicare Part B, and under Medicare Part B, they won't get help with certain medicines. And that really goofed it up for a lot of senior citizens because now they have to, after they get out, they're supposed to pay the whole medicine bill 
and then turn around and contact their Medicare Part D insurance company, ask for a certain form, and get it, and then fill it out and attach receipts and proof of payment of the medicine, and then send it into their insurance company for a partial reimbursement. Now, in that process, the insurance company is going to say, hey, you could have bought these for a lot less if you had bought them through our network. But the patient was in the hospital. The hospital isn't going to go through their network to buy the medicines. It has its own source. So the whole thing goofed up senior citizens and picked their pocket in the in the in the way of millions of dollars per year. So it's like when Mr. Obama went in and got Eric Holder to rewrite these uh, definitions, he knew that he was picking the pockets of senior citizens all over the country. And in fact, in fact, the uh, Wall Street Journal on June 11, 2012, published a report in which they found out that uh, representatives of the uh, pharmacy industry met with Obama and helped write part of the Obamacare law in order to protect their pocketbooks and enrich themselves. So who takes medicine, prescription medicine more than anybody else? Senior citizens. And so that report by the Wall Street Journal on June 11, 2012, exposes the fact that Mr. Obama was basically writing the Obamacare law in order to pick the pocket of senior citizens. That's outrageous. That's outrageous. I think it is as well. And, you know, I remember when those laws came into into being, just from a physician perspective, having to write the order correctly for admission. And, and just so the patients can understand, inpatient means that you have a significant illness such that you'd have to stay overnight in the hospital more than 24 hours. Observation is 23 hours or less, and then there's outpatient where you don't get admitted at all. And I found that you had to be really, almost ICU, you know, that level of illness before you could meet the criteria of inpatient admission. So most people would fall into the crack of uh, observation or or even ambulatory. It was amazing what they were saying wasn't admissible, you know, you couldn't admit them. But that meant that a majority of patients, or a much larger number, let's just say, were on the hook to pay for their own medication. And I know you know this, but patients may not, but there's a whole differential in the charge on what a hospital bills and what you'll get if you're just walking into a pharmacy. It's marked up hundreds of times in some instances, and they never tell you what the price is. So you can't even make an informed decision. You're just getting stuck with a bill after the fact, right? That's right. That's right. And, you know, a lot of people have opinions about Obamacare. I wrote this letter to the editor. I'd like to share it with you now. Mm -hmm. Anyone can have an opinion about Obamacare. Your editor, anyone can have an opinion, but not everyone has an opinion based on facts. In July 2012, the Congressional Budget Office published its two-year study of the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. The report is long, and most people would not read it. So I suggest your readers search the Internet for two very good stories about the uh, Congressional Budget Office report, which were published in August 2012. One story by, was by reporter Aileen Sanger, and another story was by reporter Justin Sykes. In each of the reports by these journalists, the facts about what the Obamacare law cut would surprise most people who thought the Obamacare law was a good idea. Here are some of the facts about the Obamacare law. The Obamacare law cut $56 billion dollars that would have gone to hospitals that regularly serve poor people. The Obamacare law cut $114 billion 
for Medicaid Child Health Improvement Services. The Obamacare law cut more than $716 billion from the Medicare budget. That hurt senior citizens enormously. I challenge those who support the Obamacare law to refute the facts stated in the Congressional Budget Office report or just admit uh, that Obamacare was not such a great law and serious changes need to be made to it. I can say it better. And it's it's a lot of emotion that was put forth in passing that, that uh, Affordable Care Act. It was always this, if you're against it, you want people to die. I mean, it was, the rhetoric was just so hot, so so inflammatory, that even if you had a question, again, like everything else that seems to go on since that point, people shout you down as hating people, wanting people to die, some sort of phobic-ism. It's got to stop, because ultimately, it's we're all in the same boat, and it's about control. And I, well, I'm going to take a break, but I want to touch base and, and ask you, what about the power differential here? The patients are always the ones on the outside looking in. And I, I just want to bring that to the fore when we come back. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Mr. Woodrow Wilscox. He's the author of Solving Medicare Problems. And I assume you can get that on Amazon as well, right? Yes, you can get it on Amazon, eBay. You can even contact the publisher and order one there, too. Okay. Thank you for bringing that up, Elaine. Oh, it's my pleasure. So before the break, we were talking about how the seniors were on the outside looking in. And because there was so much psychological pressure, (laughs) I think it really, it was psychological pressure, to go down a path that meant that Medicare, in all its warts and all, was really, they were trying to get that to be the law of the land, the only choice of health care in our system. And I've seen everything as Medicare goes, so does the rest of the health care system. Where's the constraint on cost in Medicare? It seems to me that there isn't any. You know, they make us jump through hoops. For example, there's something called PICOS which is a government program that makes you have to sign up as a physician and use certain labs and certain pathology, any kind of ancillary service. But you don't get to shop around to get the best deal. You only get what the government tells you to use. So is this a system of cronyism? I mean, is this distilled down to its bare essence? It's about friends of. Is that how you see it? I would say I have uh, very similar views. In fact, Last year, I wrote an article, Three Big Problems with Medicare for All, and it was published It was published by uh, uh, AMAC, uh, the AMAC Magazine People, which is uh, American uh, Association of Mature American Citizens. And you can find that at amac.us, and they posted that May 10, 2019. Also, Newsmax used the article on May 2, 2019. It was also on Zenith News. Uh, May 2, 2019, I give three big problems with Medicare for All uh, all System proposed, and I would encourage your readers to go to those websites, look up three big problems with Medicare for All by Woodrow Wilcox, and you'll find uh, something that you can forward to some of your friends that might be thinking that Medicare for All is a great thing. Mm -hmm. I can only speak about five, 16-plus years of helping people. Medicare claims crossover system does not work 100% 100% of the time, and when it doesn't work, it doesn't get claims information to the 
secondary insurers, the Medicare supplement insurance companies. When those companies don't get the claim reports, they don't pay bills. And then senior citizens start getting bills and wonder what's happening. Uh, why are they being hammered and told, uh, this is our last uh, effort to get uh, money from you, and after this we're going to sue you? The problem is that the Medicare claims system, crossover system, does not work 100% of the time. In fact, in uh, several of my articles, I actually calculated what uh, harm that is causing senior citizens throughout the country based on the fact of what I know about this area and how much of the market our insurance agency has and multiply that out to what there should be within 100% of the congressional district that they're in, and then multiplying that number by 435 because that's the number of congressmen. I came up with a figure of over $1 billion a year in bad medical billing that senior citizens are hounded and hounded to pay when, in fact, if the Medicare system, crossover system, worked properly, they would never be billed for those amounts. I also want to tell you that we should stop ambushing seniors. I can tell you about people going to get service and they find out that their their uh, hospital they're going to or the clinic they're going to is in network, but the doctor that that, that uh, clinic or hospital gives them to serve them mm-hmm. is out of network. And now they get a surprise big bill. Well, with one of our clients in St. John, Indiana, it was for a child, their child. It wasn't for a senior, it was for a child. They were on a certain um, certain plan, and so the bill was much higher than what the parents expected. And what I did, I stepped in, I explained it to the law firm that was threatening to sue, and I said, look, the uh, clinic put them with a doctor that was not in network when it was openly advertising that the clinic was in network. Well, to the common person, if the clinic is in network, that means any services they get should be within network. Yeah. And I explained that to the law firm, and I said, this clinic is acting unfairly towards the public. Now, if you want $500, which we agree is the in-network price for the services rendered, that's okay. But if you want an additional $1,623, uh, we're going to suggest that that is unethical. Mm-hmm. And uh, the law firm said to its clients, we agree. This would be unethical, and we don't want to fight for the other $1,623. We suggest you settle for the $500, and the hospital did. Now, I have, so, a, I have a question about that. not fair. No, but, I mean, that seems to be illegal, right? Because you're asking, you're putting that information out with falseness of advertising, and that's fraud, right? That's medical fraud billing, is it not? It, it is like false advertising. And, you know, in every other profession, if you advertise falsely, the law is going to hold you to account, mm. either criminal or civil penalties or both. But in this, Medicare has a very bad enforcement system. I will tell you that last week I discovered, excuse me, this week I discovered that one of our clients, our agency had sold them a Medicare Part B policy with a certain insurance company. A few months later, somebody else went to them we can give you total coverage, both dental and the uh, medical, with the same company. Here, let me help you. And they sign them up. They sign up for a Medicare Advantage plan. Mm-hmm. Well, Medicare Advantage plan is going to kick out the Medicare Supplement plan and the Medicare Part D plan, which means 
for two years, and that that agent did it without asking our client, what other medical coverage do you have right now? Because he has a duty to find out in signing up his client with this new policy, is it going to affect coverage he already has right now? And it did. It kicked out the Medicare Supplement and the Medicare Part D, so he had a Medicare Advantage with the same company that we did, who had helped him get a Medicare Part D for his medicine with. So that agent, outside our agency, and acting, uh, well, I think, very unprofessionally and very unethically, did that to our client. Now our client ended up paying for a Medicare Supplement, a Medicare Part D, and a Medicare Advantage all at the same time oh, wow. for two years. And I'm trying to unravel the mess. I'm trying to get, despite the fact that it would hurt our agency, uh, we are trying to do what's good for the client and get his money back for the policies that we sold him mm-hmm. during, the, during the time that the Medicare Advantage kicked in and made it so that those policies were of no effect. So we are acting ethically and professionally to help our client. And Medicare has no system, effective system, for straightening out these messes. Uh, when I try to contact somebody to get help from Medicare in order to straighten out a mess, there's, there's just nobody. There's just nobody. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of shocking that there isn't there any kind of, well, you can't be an insurance agent without being licensed and without being certified and all this other stuff. How can they, I mean, shouldn't they be brought up on some sort of, uh, I don't know, punitive uh administrative uh, thing for overselling, for double selling, for removing, I guess it was a more expensive policy, right? Is it is it Me- Medicare Advantage more no. expensive? No, Medicare Advantage is less expensive in the payment of premiums. Okay. It gets you on Medicare Advantage in the back end with co-pays there you go. and deductibles and things like that. Yeah. So the patient uh, is paying is, more under those policies. Goes to the hospital or somebody, he's going to be paying a whole lot more than a Medicare supplement policy with the plan F or plan G. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so part of this is that Medic, the, uh, I remember seeing during the Obamacare debates, Nancy Pelosi on TV with Maria Baratoma interviewing about the Obamacare proposed law and Nancy Pelosi said that she knew that the Obamacare law would reduce the Medicare budget by over by half a trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. She, she basically lied because the Congressional Budget Office said, no, you cut it by $716 billion. Now, you know all the promotion about Medicare advantage now? I went to an insurance conference and one of the people explained that it was part of the Obamacare law encouraging insurance companies to come up with different plans that would be Medicare Advantage that could have extra features and things like that let them be invented, and then every client that they signed up, the federal government would pay about $12,000. Okay, so that reduces the costs for the federal government of paying out money for Medicare for senior citizens. But a lot of people don't know, when you sign up for Medicare Advantage, you're signing up for co-pays and deductibles and all kinds of things. The first time I came across this was one of our clients, who was originally from Greece, he got talked into, uh, he said, he came to us and said, I want to switch to a Medicare Advantage plan. It costs less. 
he had him on a Medicare supplement, but he insisted on switching. So he insisted, we helped him, then he went to the hospital, and he ended up with a bill of about $7,000, and I told him, there's nothing I didn't do. You changed your type of policy from a Medicare supplement plus Medicare to a Medicare Advantage, and the Medicare Advantage has different rules with a lot of co-pays and a lot of deductibles. So and he was very nice about it. I explained to him, you know what? I if it's a, if it's a mistake or fraud, I can help fight it. But if it's a government policy, I can't change the government policy. Well, on that note, I want people to think about that. Um, and let's take our second break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Mr. Woodrow Wilcox, and he is an advocate for Medicare uh, patients and it sounds like anybody who's dealing with this insurance system, and it's just, it's broken, and there's no remedy in place to actually fix it. Now, if if we, God forbid, ever went to Medicare for all, do you, th- I can't imagine this is going to change any, but What's the worst scenario that you can envision if everybody's thrown into this type of pot where the government runs it and it's based on this structure that's already messed up? Uh, you can expect a lot of problems, especially if, first of all, they make it very complicated. They make it very complicated. Part of the reason is because the Medicare system is not really set up to help senior citizens. The Medicare system is set up in order to enrich Government employees and government contractors. It does that job very well. But it really doesn't help senior citizens very well, especially when there's a problem with the system. Something breaks down, like the Internet and satellite communication system that the Medicare Claims Crossover is based on. Uh, like where you watch TV and uh, the picture or the sound is interrupted because of a storm or something like that, those things happen under the Medicare Claims Crossover System because it's based on the Internet, satellites, and telephone lines. So when those are interrupted and uh, the information doesn't get to the secondary insurer, which is a uh, Medicare supplement insurer, then the bills don't get paid and senior citizens get hounded to pay bills that they really don't owe. Mm-hmm. And so is no effective system, consistent system. I'm talking about consistent systems that it can be explained to somebody rather quickly that they can understand and function with in order to straighten out problems. Because the government employees and the government officials and the government contractors believe that they have created a perfect system and they're not really willing to consider that it is broken in many ways because well, it's not their problem. They're turning other people. It's not them. That's why they don't focus their attention on it. And uh, I, all I can tell you is that we need some people in Washington who will actually pay attention. I, I have tried and tried and tried to get an audience before some committee in Congress to go through the many problems and to bring some of our clients to Washington to explain them. Uh, but nobody's been interested. So I really suspect that because I'm exposing problems with mm-hmm. the Medicare system, that uh, there are people in Washington who don't want me to be called to testify before a committee. I had a friend. I was very complimented. Just the other day, I have a friend who called me and said, I uh, 
donate to the Trump campaign, except that I just got a phone call, and I told them, you know what? I don't think that Democrats or Republicans are paying enough attention to senior citizen problems. I have a friend who wrote a book. He helps a lot of senior citizens save money. I have decided I'm not going to donate to the Trump campaign anymore until you help get Trump or somebody high with him to have an audience, to give an audience to my friend mm-hmm. who has helped senior citizens quite a bit in this area. And he called me. I was totally surprised. I was That's totally awesome. shocked. But uh, if I were uh, debating Bernie Sanders, I would have all kinds of ammunition from my personal experience about why nobody should want a Medicare for all system. And I would explain in the different actual cases that I've worked on what the problems are. And I would love to have that kind of a debate with Bernie Sanders. But I don't think I'll get it. I don't think anyone in Washington who wants to defend the current system, is gonna, well, I think they'll, they'll do everything they can to keep me from exposing. Probably. So I really I really say, and I don't seem to know all the answers. You need to be in, uh, in front of a committee Washington too, Elena, because you can speak about the problems with the medical system and the Medicare system from the position of a physician. I can't do that. I have no authority in that area. I haven't worked in that area, but I have worked in the area of helping senior citizens fight false and fraudulent and just mistake mistaken bills in the Medicare system. The system has to be much easier for the average person to navigate. In this area, we have a lot of immigrants. And so, one time, uh, I had to speak with people from Russia. It was a good thing I speak a little bit of Russian to understand them. Uh, and also, just uh, a few weeks ago, I helped a Serbian woman reduce her bills by almost $7,000, just wow. because I knew the system better than she did. And uh, she was really relieved. Well, really tell me about that story. That's a chunk of change. Did she have surgery? Was she admitted? How did she end up with a bill that big? She had several bills. She had several bills. She couldn't speak English very well. She brought her sister. Her sister spoke English better than she did. And I was able to communicate with her through her sister and then call these various doctors, clinics, and everything that had served her. And I found out that they had made some mistakes. Mm-hmm. They made mistakes, which meant it so that they couldn't charge those amounts. And I called them on it. I even said in the article, actually, I didn't do very much except find out what the facts were. It was God that let them make mistakes that I could then call them on mm-hmm. and was able to then force a reduction in the bills. And that's really what happened. I, I only claim to have the talent of looking at bills and comparing them with the uh, Medicare summary notices which are the government reports about the claims, and finding the mistakes. And the fact, the way I got this job is my friend owns this insurance agency, and, and he asked me to come in and answer the phone one day, because his receptionist was going to a doctor that day. And so I answered the phone for him, and when he came in, I said, you know, you've got four or five calls from seniors, your clients who say that the insurance company is not paying the bill. Tell me about that. And he told me what he knew of it and what he did to try to help them. And it was like we were in a cartoon because a light bulb went off over my head and I understood the problem better than he did. When he realized that, he hired me, and I've been protecting his clients ever since. What's the most common error that you see? What seems to be the preponderance of the, the charges being wrong? Is it they're overbilling? Is it that they're telling 
labs were performed that where we're not? I mean, what's the number one thing? The number one thing is the government system. And I keep mentioning that the crossover system didn't work. And, and the number one problem with the Medicare system that causes uh, unjust bills to senior citizens is the uh, crossover system fails and fails and fails hundreds of times a day. And every time it fails, it kicks out hundreds of bits or thousands of bits of information, and then that information doesn't get to the, to the Medicare supplement insurance companies, and the senior citizens start getting hounded for bills that they really don't owe. Okay. It's, it's fraud by the medical billers. Fraud mm-hmm. by medical billers. Okay. There's a, a medical billing firm uh, adjoining in a county adjoining Indianapolis a few years ago. Uh, a lot of our clients were getting bills from them, and I found out, I tracked it down, all the claims have been paid by their respective Medicare supplement insurance companies, but the medical biller was cashing the checks and not reporting it to the medical firm and was billing our clients for exactly the same amount that the insurance companies had already paid. And I called that to the attention of the Indiana Attorney General, and that stopped right away. Were they, was anybody arrested? Uh, Isn't that criminal behavior? I am not in that office, <laughs> and I, from my perspective, I stopped the wrongful action against our senior citizens. There were about 50 of our clients, but I stopped that medical billing firm from sending false bills to them. In fact, the the, uh, the uh, president, uh, a doctor of the medical firm that uh, had given the services, said, give me a list of your clients, and I will wipe out all their bills. And he did. He was very embarrassed by what the medical billing firm did. Uh, I did catch doctors sending the same medical bill to two different medical billing firms. And uh, so I turned that information over to the Attorney General to look into, too. So I don't have any legal authority to say you got to prosecute this person, you can't prosecute that person. I just simply, I, and I'm very reasonable. I, I write very pleasant, polite, to-the-point letters initially. And in fact, a few years ago, there was a Filipino-American who came to me and he had overpaid a hospital in the Chicago area over $527. And when I looked at his bills, I realized that and told him he overpaid. And uh, so we started writing letters to the hospital saying, you made a mistake, you had our clients overpay you, we send that overpayment back. Three polite letters. After that, we started contacting any public office we could. And, as a matter of fact, soon, somebody listened, and that hospital was forced to pay $527 back. You see, this I have is... uh, another client, you know, uh, I have another client, uh, the medical billing firm wasn't paying attention to what we were saying, that this was a false bill, and here's the evidence. And when I do that, uh, if it's technical stuff that it involves the client's health information, I have, have the client sign the letter. I put it together for because I have to pay attention to the HIPAA law. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we got, uh, and what I did is I researched the firm in Texas that was doing the medical billing. I uh, was able to find and contact the leader of their legal department. I had our clients send a letter to the head of the legal department. And when that head of the legal department for that firm, which is a nationwide firm, got that, the uh, bill was uh, canceled. I have, have another client with a bill to, uh, from a firm, a hospital firm, in the Chicago area. I found out who heads up that firm. 
had the client write a letter because we were going to attach copies of uh, some of the pages of the Medicare summary notes showing that the hospital was billing for an amount that Medicare said could not be billed, and they were threatening to sue him and destroy his credit when, in fact, they had no right to bill him for the amount in the first place. So I found out who the president of that firm was, had the client send a letter to that firm, that president, and uh, that president's office called us and called our client and said, we are so sorry we made this mistake. Really you know, I, these stories that you're telling me are awesome for the patient, but I'm looking at this now from a physician standpoint, and it's disgusting to tell you the truth, because the government will come after every physician who underbills a patient. So we're the ones not charging enough to see the patient because we want to give them a break. That's fraud in in the government's parlance. And if you do it three times, you're going to jail. These guys are overbilling, disgusting with these, these examples that you just gave me. And everybody just gets to say, I'm sorry, and nothing happens to them. The system is broken. And unless these guys start going to jail, this will never stop. And if you want to triple down on it with Medicare for All, what you're telling me, I'm, I'm, I don't want it anyway, but I'm completely dubious about this ever getting rolling because it's going to be a gravy train on steroids. On that note, let's take our last break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. You're listening to Medicine on Call, where healthcare, business, and current events connect. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. I apologize. I got a little heated in that last section because it's just such an asymmetric playing field. And the doctors and the patients are really just... And we're not talking about the hospitals because they don't represent either one most of the time. They represent their board of directors, they represent their CEOs, they represent themselves. So I don't really feel like they're in, in the healthcare fight along with the doctor and the patient, and they're part of the problem. How on earth can the government fix this if they don't understand, or, and worse yet, they don't care to understand, because you should be up on Capitol Hill being able to tell this story. And people who are writing these laws, who are in a vacuum, need to actually know what's going on, not what they're told by their lobby friends and the people and their big donors, but by the people on the front line. It's just it's just maddening. That's why I personally think if you can get out of the system, you need to get out of it because it doesn't work for you. I guess we're all going to be on Medicare at some point. We need this to work for us and stop working against us, honestly. I, I want to revisit what you said about the cross reacting or the cross-talking system. Are you talking about an electronic system where I submit a charge, yeah. the computer screws it up? Is that what you're talking about? Well, okay. It's called the claims, Medicare Claims Crossover System. Mm -hmm. You know, for the sake of your listeners, uh, there's a big difference between having a Medi Medicare and a Medicare Supplement Policy versus having a Medicare Advantage Policy. Medicare Advantage policy, the claims are filed directly with an insurance company that is administering that Medicare Advantage policy. With Medicare and uh, Medicare Supplement, claims are filed directly with Medicare itself, and then Medicare sends its report about the claims by electronic means, which means the internet, satellite, uh, phone lines, etc., to the insurance company, to the medical service provider, and then also sends a paper copy to the patient, which is called a Medicare summary notice. Whenever there's a, a break in the electronic satellite internet system uh, sending information, whenever there's a break, 
Medicare and the insurance company uh, has the policy, because of the policy for the uh, client, there's data lost. That data being lost makes it so that the insurance company never gets the claim information. And if it doesn't get the claim information, they don't know that the patient that has the policy with them uh, needs the bill paid. So that is that system that I'm talking about. Okay. The system is extremely complicated and is not easy to navigate, especially if you're a senior citizen and your eyesight isn't as good as it used to be, your hearing isn't as good as it used to be. It's especially uh, it's especially difficult for people who are senior citizens and from a foreign country and trying to understand our system in English when English is not their primary language, their mm-hmm. first language. System, like system is badly designed and badly managed. When I have when I have a, a problem for applying for the medical bill, and the medical service provider, a hospital, a clinic, or a doctor, is in the same state as our client, mm-hmm. I can't get the medical service provider to understand the problem with the bill, and they keep on hammering our client for payment. Then, because they're in the same state, I can bring it to the attention of the consumer protection division of the Indiana State Attorney General. I had a client down in Carmel, Indiana, which is about 150 miles from where I am. She lived up here, but she moved down there after she retired. And uh, she was being hammered for a bill. In fact, I had written a polite letter to the medical service provider that they filed it as though it were a Medicare Advantage problem, uh, a claim, when in fact it was a Medicare supplement claim, and they needed to file it correctly. Mm-hmm. They ignored my letters until we brought in a complaint against them with the Indiana Attorney General, the Civil Protection Division. Then they saw the light <laughs> and they filed it correctly, and the bill got paid. It shouldn't come to this, and I imagine how long this took for the situation to be resolved, to resolve, and how much stress and anxiety the senior citizen was under. I mean. Your health is really tied to your emotional state. So you imagine how much illness this, you know, extrapolates to. Unnecessary family drama, you know, not being able to sleep. I mean, blood pressure going up. People can have strokes because of this. This is supposed to be a system that's supposed to help the seniors, and it's making them potentially ill. So it's... Let me say something that I hope will help. Sure. Let me say something that I hope will help. You're absolutely right. Senior citizens all over the country are facing these problems, and there's nobody to help them. If anyone listening is an insurance agent or owns an insurance agency, let me tell you that if you get my book and study it and start doing this for the senior citizens in your area, senior citizens will talk about it, and they will bring you to their business. Your business will grow. In the first seven years that I did it at this agency, our agency grew. And I'm not discounting the hard work of all the agents or the president of the uh, firm. I'm not discounting their work. But I'm just telling you, doing this and writing articles about it, getting the paper, people read and learn and understand that if you're a, a client of this insurance agency and you have a medical problem like this, you come to our agency and we will help you and we don't charge for that help. Because if you're our client, the system's supposed to work right, and we're going to help you. And we never charge for our our clients. In, in the first seven years that I did this, our agency grew from one office to three agents 
four offices with over a dozen agents. Mm-hmm. Because when you give value to your customers, they can't find anywhere else. They will come to you. They will be loyal to you. They will tell their friends about you, and your business will grow. So the first thing I want to say is uh, accountants, you want to grow your elder uh, line of business, get my book and start helping the senior citizens in your area. Elder law attorneys who want to give a free service to the uh, some of the senior citizens in your area, help bring in business for your elder law firm, uh, do this for the senior citizens in your community. If you're a worship leader and you want to help protect the senior citizens of your church, your community, so that they will have more money in their bank account to give to your church organization, get my book, Study This. The book is Solving Medicare Problems. And uh, I'm 65, and so I'm getting ready to retire. I'd like other people to take up the gauntlet for helping senior citizens because I don't know how much time I have left to This is a bit of a tough job if you figure out that I face off with collection attorneys, collection departments every day for our clients, straighten out medical bills that never should have had a problem if the Medicare system worked and worked properly. You'll understand some of the stress I've been under. I can imagine. But it's a fight. It's a good fight, though, Woodrow. I mean, it's you are saving literally the lives and the well-being of countless people. How many people do you think you help per year? You know, well, some of them are small, small matters that are able to take away, uh, able to take care of quickly. Some of them are bigger matters where there's stubbornness on the part of somebody and that I have to convince them or hand over documents with a, a client signature to a public official. I would say I probably help five to ten people a week. That's a lot. And are they all in state, or do you? I mean, I know that. What you do? You in, you're in uh, in Illinois, right? We're in. I'm in Northwest Indiana. Oh, Indiana, County, right next to Chicago. Okay. And we we only we only market to people in Indiana. Mm-hmm. But some of the people in Indiana, but we have agents that are licensed in Illinois, and we have people who are in Indiana, and our clients that they retire to go to another state. Okay, uh, and if they haven't switched over to a local agent in that state yet, mm-hmm. and we, we are have to help them with the medical bill problem. Once they switch over to another agent, we expect that agent to be helping them. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, people are blessed to have people, you. People <laughs> traveling. People traveling. So I had a, a client from. Gary, Indiana, went to visit his daughter in Texas, needed medical services, went to the local hospital, got the services, and then they started sending in bills instead of filing it properly to get the bills paid in the proper manner. And it was was about $1,500 that I saved the client from Gary. Now, is your service, do you charge for your service or is it free? It's free for our clients. Okay. It's free for our clients because you know you have to pay attention to the HIPAA laws and now they have to we actually are contracted with the insurance uh, companies that are selling Medicare supplement insurance or Medicare Advantage insurance or Medicare Part D insurance through our agency. So there are legal 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 rules we have to follow. But as long as there are agents 
we sold them that policy, we give them the extra value service of helping straighten down a bill and we don't charge a dime. Well, I I wish you know everybody can live in Indiana and, and uh become uh clients of your of your company because those people are blessed. They're not gonna get gouged. They have a resource that they can go to and they're not shooting in the dark. I mean, is there any like have you guys thought of offering courses for other insurance companies that they could get certified or learn what you do and, and make it more of a concrete thing because it's something it should be like a template of this in every state. That's how you win this, you know, break this this uh monopoly up is it's education. You, know, you gotta put a light on this stuff. And that's I'm glad you're on the show today so people know that they don't have to take what they're given and they can question it. But the we need people like you said, people who are going to be able to pick up the gauntlet and keep going with it. Thank you. I don't know of any courses. I'd be happy to teach a course some way. Uh, I basically go out, when I give out, when I uh, go out into the public, like the Senior Citizen Club or Retired Teachers Club, uh, ask for a speaker from our insurance agency. Mm-hmm. There's one agent that usually comes along with me, and he gives, he gives a, 20-minute talk on what he knows from the agent standpoint. Then I give a 20 or 30-minute talk on the problems I see in the Medicare system that I help our clients at their presentation. And just going out a two or three times a year giving that presentation brings us more and more clients. And the <laughs> articles that I that I write, I don't make any money from them. I I send out the articles to local publications publications can use them or not use them. But uh, when they use them, people come into our office and say, uh, I wanted to come here because I read that article. I've been reading articles by Woodrow Wilcox for years, and I want to be, now I'm 65, I want to be a client of your agency. So, Well, you know, time goes so quickly when we have a show, and I just wanted to make sure people were able to know where to get the book again. You have a website, woodrowwilcox.com, and there's a button on there that talks about how you can, you just click it and you'll go to Amazon and you'll see how you can buy the um, the book. And that's important. And I, I recommend that people do that. Not if Even if you're not a senior citizen, you must have a mom or dad or an uncle or someone who's going to need some help. I think that's, it's a, it's a resource that everybody needs to have. And I would add that grandchildren who are about to go to college or in college, should actually get the book and read it so that they can be a help and a blessing to their grandparents and uh, someday their parents. I agree. When they face medical bill problems. I absolutely agree. We have to be our own solution. I don't believe the government is the answer. And if we're not going to be forward thinking and involved, we're going to get the shaft. And on that note, I want to thank yeah. you so much for coming on the show today. It was, it's been a pleasure having you on. I look forward to having you back. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Medicine on Call. And stay safe and stay healthy. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM.